0: Two, one, two, three, four. Hey y'all, this is Seppa, the Southern Broad Witch, And I've been away for a really long time. I honestly don't know where to start, y'all. I suppose I could either start by telling you where I've been and why, or I could give you an update on how the farm's doing. But I suppose what I'll do is just go ahead and witch up and tell you where I went. Well, I didn't actually go anywhere. What happened was my ex-husband found my podcast. And while that might not sound big to y'all, it was big to me. Now, to keep my privacy a little bit, I'm not going to go into what that led to right now. I'm not sure if I ever will share what that led to. However, it did cause a little bit of a disjunction for me and the way I always found this as my safe place. I know that sounds crazy because it's so public yet. In a lot of ways, it was just me and you and no one else. And because I go by a pseudonym, I really didn't think I was going to get that found out that quick, but I did. And that led to me wanting to go back into hiding for a little while, and I'm really sorry about that. I received a lot of emails about this, and I thank you so much for all of the people who reached out and wanted to know where I went and whether or not I was okay. I am okay. I just needed to be private for a while. And that sometimes is just critical for a Southern witch. You know, I recently did an interview with That Witch Life podcast, and I just love those girls, shout out girls, and they are amazing. The question they wanted to ask me in the topic at hand was all about being a witch in the closet. They had done, uh, I think, an episode right before that on being one that's more public, and I had an opportunity to speak to what it's like for me. And I go over all of these, I think, risk factors and things that I guess a lot of people won't think about if they live in a place that's more accepting, but I've been out in more than one or two times in my life. And just so y'all know, that's one of the worst things I feel like a witch can do to another witch. But it happens in other circles as well. We have the right to want to keep that to ourselves. We have the right to keep that private. And we deserve our coming out day if we want to have it. And we deserve for that day to be on our own terms. I am continually battling with that outing which is really too bad because that is one of the things that keeps me in the closet. But if you want to hear about that, go to That Witch Life Podcast. It was done, I think, two weeks ago as of this recording, and they are wonderful. I highly suggest you follow them. And just while we're on the subject, I was also interviewed by the Science Witch Podcast, and that is a wonderful one, too. You've got to give that a shot. We all know that science is connected to the craft and this lovely lady and her friends are doing a great job. So check out those two podcasts. But I have been active because I've been interviewed. (laughs) I did promise uh, the girls over there at That Witch Life Podcast that if this went well, I would come back home, I almost said. And I reckon in a lot of ways it is coming home. And it went really well. So it, I want to say it's not without trepidation that I'm making this podcast today. I'm out of the practice of it. Number one, I'm making a podcast isn't easy, and I'm not a professional at all. Never tried to be. Everything from my little pop shield is broken to I'm not sure what my gain ought to be on my microphone anymore. So you're going to have to forgive me a little bit of the quality issues. I plan on calling those girls up and asking them how they do it because if I'm going to come back, I want to be a little bit more professional. I can tell you that it was a shock to hear from my first husband. I married him in 1985, and we only stayed married five years, so that was a long time ago. And it was an abusive relationship, so I guess hearing from him, I was finally ready here at 55 to, I reckon, accept an apology, and I know that that is a strange thing to say. And I don't advocate that everyone do what I do. I think it's very significant to each person who goes through any abuse, no matter who you are. And it all has to do with your health and your trauma and what you feel ready to do or not do. So for me, I was ready to hear the apology and I was ready to heal. I was able to do a lot of that work after all these years. So that was my journey. However, it did throw me for a loop to hear his voice after, I guess, 30 something years. So that was, that's, you know, enough for me to kind of get thrown back. And these are the risks you run anywhere with a podcast. You can have an old enemy or someone who wasn't very fond of you find out what you're doing and give you a hard time. But if I decide to continue doing this, and I think I will we are creating a new podcast room for me and it's going to be a little bit farther away from the sound of chainsaws in the distance and dogs barking and such as that, but you probably will always hear chicken and there's not much I can do about that one. So, this is my tentative barbaric yelp going back across the airwaves and I'm not sure where it will lead. Let's find out together. But I will be relearning how to do this, and I will probably try to find a non-creaky chair. We'll see if I can professionalize. So, that was a very short-handed answer, and I suppose it's not very informative. However, that's all I can give you right now. And if you're still out there, hey, how are you? I'm sorry I've been gone. And thank you for all the emails. You guys are wonderful. All right, so let's be boring because the first podcast should be. Um, What have I been doing? Well, I had that beautiful grandchild. Don't you love how I said I had it? Mm -hmm, Me too. But I'm not going to edit that out because I think it's funny. And she's uh, a delight, tiny like me. I bet y'all don't know this. I've had so many people say, you seem so big, like, you know, a little bit bigger than what I actually am. In reality, I've gotten a little heavier in my old age, so I'm now 138, and I'm five foot one and three quarters. So, of course, the baby's going to be tiny, too, y'all. And she's the light of my life. I thought that the best times of my life were behind me with the children being grown. I mean, they're my best friends, but, you know, all those wonders that you get with a, a child around. And now that my little angel's been born all that's coming back and I get to babysit her and see her first, whatever it might be. And it's so wonderful to me. And I'm very protective of that too, by the way. Anyway, she's 14 months old or so right now. And um, just taking her first steps. And that's a big part of my world nowadays. And that's my dog Gypsy. And she may bark a little bit. Let's see. What else? Um, our farm has added in rabbits, but no, I'm sorry. We did not add in meat rabbits because Sepa has a really soft heart. We added in lion's mane rabbits, and they're outside, and I've had several people ask me what I'm doing with rabbits if I'm not going to eat them, and the answer is their poo, honey. It's all about their poo. They are very spoiled. They're not living in one of those tiny little cages you see, you know, little rectangle. That's not what they're living in. Oh, no, we got them chicken coops that have like that nice little place to go in and lay eggs. And that's where they've had, uh, regretfully, uh, had uh, a litter of babies before we got the daddy out of there. His name is Hodor. That's because we wanted him to hold the door, and we wanted that Game of Thrones sensibility for our guy, and we didn't get him out in time, so we had a litter. I think you call it a litter. I don't remember. It's fine if I mess that up, and they were so cute to watch, you know, grow up, and we sell them as pets. Uh, We're not going to be breeding anymore for a while, maybe next year, but I don't want to overbreed anything I did keep four of their little girls, and they're precious, and people offer me money all the time, and I'm having trouble letting them go. But anyway, Hodor has a tower, as I think Hodor should, if you have ever watched Game of Thrones, and it's quite the tower of power. It's a three-level with a hidey hole at the top, and it's heated for the winter, and um, has beautiful wooden scrolls all over it. One rabbit lives in this thing, and it's, I don't know, eight foot tall, so we take good care of our babies. Anyway, y'all know I talk round circles, but we use their scat. I think it's called scat if you don't want to have to say the word poo or shit. Once a week, we have uh, a good pile underneath that open hardware mesh bottom, and that pile has organic alfalfa hay in it because that's what they eat. And um, I go to shoveling it and get it all down to the high tunnel. And I would say that we're getting in probably about oh at least a wheelbarrow or so all the way to the top per week. And here's the reason you need to consider it, even if you don't want rabbits. Maybe you could find somebody who has rabbits and get their scat, but. The reason you want to consider this is rabbits compost their poo in their stomachs and their intestines. So it comes out composted and therefore it's never hot. That means you can put it directly on a plant. Honey Bunny, you can put that right into your planter. If you're doing something small, it's not going to hurt anything. It's wonderful. So they're really just here on the property for their poo and I'm giving them their best life. At least the best one i can give them and assure they're not going to get killed i've even got them a little playpen so that in the spring they can be out on the grass and not get eat up by hawk or something so we did do that and then we introduced mushrooms to our farm and mushrooms have become a very big thing on the farm it was an accident i didn't realize i was good at mushrooming i had no idea and all started with a um, little bit of substrate that somebody was throwing away, and then I went wild, y'all, and it's just built and built, and kind of getting to the place where we're thinking about if we could get the money together, thinking about actually building a mushroom house outside. My adoptive daughter bought me a boom room, <laughs> which is like a, I think the other word is Martha tent, and that that'll be inside with proper ventilation. It's very small, but it can do a lot of work but we're seeing the writing on the wall and this is a prolific business, easy to do and fits right in with our organic lifestyle and also offers a source of food, a little protein, that kind of thing. So, that's on the horizon if we can get that money together. Maybe a GoFundMe, I don't know, but we don't have the kind of money to kind of throw together a whole building, you know, Most of my witch friends don't have money like that. We focus so much on other things than material goods, but hopefully I can get that going. Because if I can, I intend fully to quit my job. I am exhausted as a professor. You know I'm a professor it's a good gig, but it's, it's wearing me out. It's adjunct work, and the place I work accepts different fates, and they fully know what I am, and, you know, my holidays are recognized. It's nice to not be afraid to lose your job, but it's also mind-numbing, and it's not in person, and so I kind of just, I want to be the grandma I am, and grow things, and be a witch, and make things, and write things, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but I do think we are nice to ourselves a lot, and I want to be nice to myself. And I think I have earned the right to retire with a different business. So that's what I'm working on, and I'm working on it magically and spiritually and kind of following spirit on the whole thing. Y'all are actually the first ones to know. I haven't told anybody yet, other than my husband, he knows. And my son, of course, who would be my number one mushroom dude. I guess, you know, this all kind of leads me to wanting to talk about land spirits. Isn't that a funny segue? I heard a lot of talk about land spirits on a lot of wonderful and worthy podcasts, and I found that I didn't necessarily align with their viewpoint on them, and that's okay. Because if there's one thing y'all remember about me, it's that I'm very geographically aware of my magic. And I think that we kind of operate from where we are. That's how I see things. And I'm an Alabama red clay dirt witch, you know. So, I figure or factor that land spirits work a little differently wherever you are. And where I am is significantly different than other places I've stood on and when we first bought this place all those years ago I could feel the difference where I could feel the water spirits definitely as one thing and the tree spirits definitely as another and the living soil and all the things and everything was very I guess separated it also been treated very badly But just in the last couple of years, and I've been working this land since 2012, just in the last couple of years, it sort of seemed to me that everything has started to kind of marry together. You know, recently I was interviewing my friend Jamie Oates from Farmscape Solutions, and she's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And she was teaching me about this word she learned, holon, Um, which is just this wonderful concept of a certain place and all of the living things and all of the living organic beings there become this whole working unit. And I suppose that that can happen anywhere, but I kind of factor that's what's happened here. I no longer can really determine the dividing line between me and my tree's and the squirrels, and the turtles, and the lizards, and snakes, and I mean, everything has sort of just become this whole beautiful, working, breathing, tiny farm. I love it so much. It is definitely unique. When I have folks come out here, some of them call this place their happy place, and I could totally see that because it's just so peaceful, but it's unique. It's unlike any other place I've ever been, and I know I'm part of that now, definitely gonna die here, you know, as long as I'm not on vacation when I pass, and well, it's something else you know we got c and g certified, and that means that we had to consider everything on our land. It was I think way more intense than just becoming organically certified because. We had to consider everything from runoff to, was there plastic in the driveway? Was there bleach on the property, even on the household part of the property? Our processes have to be, you know, at a certain level. We've gone completely no-till. Just the entirety of it had to be this sort of closed loop of care for our property before we could get certified that way. And it wasn't hard. (laughs) Honestly, didn't have to do a lot of work. Um, when the certification agent came out, there wasn't a lot for me to do; it had already been done. And that's what I find really cool about this: is I was already living as a witch. I was living this way 24/7. I didn't want bleach on the land, and I didn't want plastic degrading in my pathways. I didn't want the pond that's not even on our property to have any runoff from what we were doing. I didn't want any manure on the property that we weren't creating ourselves. So it was weird because there wasn't a lot for us to do. We just walked them through it and got certified. It was really cool. And the process was extensive, but we already had it all in place. And I think somewhere along the way in the last few years, working that way with the land and just caring about all of it, you know, not removing the rat snakes and, not chopping up all the leaves in the fall, assuring there was some place for all those wonderful things to live, the bees and the frogs and the turtles, and just taking such good care of everything. It just seems to me that my land spirits and I got closer by default. I know, right? That wasn't this big ritual. We didn't go out there and dedicate anything to anyone. We just gave our lives to it what it did was it turned around and gave life back to us in the way of beans and sustenance and flowers and all of those wonderful things. So at the end of the day, I keep finding my relationship with my land spirits to be a little bit different than what I hear about in other places. Not that it's better. It's just that it's different. So how I honor my land spirits. I think I already do it all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm lazy about certain things at all. It just means that, you know, we learned. We learned that when we cut down a 100-year oak to make room for this high tunnel, we paid, paid dearly for that. You could feel the pain in that. And so now I'm just very cognizant of what we do and how we do it. You know, one of the things I suppose I do is late at night, You know, you would think it'd be early in the morning, but it's not. It's late at night. When I go cover up my rabbits, if there's going to be a rain or, you know, close the chicken coop and everybody's gone to sleep and you can hear that little sweet little clucking and I've got so many things alive out there that, well, I don't, but they're there. And it's so peaceful. You can hear the owls going on and the bats in the summer flying really low over your head, which... It terrifies a lot of folks, but I sure love it. I mean, mosquito control, right? And that's when I commune with my land spirit. And I don't really separate. Well, I suppose there's one in particular that I work with a little bit more. I mean, the trees ha- seem to have their own language and always have to me. They're part of everything. They're part of the whole lawn. But <laughs> if there was a boss on the property, it'd be my trees. I don't think they look at themselves like bosses, but you know what? I sure do. I will go to a tree and do something special. I will go and lay out my mushroom compost around it, which, by the way, they love. Certain trees love it. Giving them food and beautiful mycelium to help their roots. And I do take care of them in that way because they take such wonderful, wonderful care of me. But now at the same time, I reckon that not everybody has that, right? So I was asked what to do if they didn't have something like that. If they lived in an apartment or they were renting a house somewhere or whatever it may be. And I still think you can do that kind of communal work with the trees and with the land and the other spirits that are there. I mean, we have to remember someone lived there hundreds of years ago. Thousands of years ago, sometimes, and most times actually. So, there are other spirits there than just that tree. And I, I suppose my answer is always just a little too simple because in the world of witchcraft, we look for the fanciful, don't we? We look for the sparkles, and everybody loves a good ritual, and I sure don't disparage you that, not one bit. I do too, but the answer is always so simple. And it's just to go stand with them. It's to go stand with them and hold space with them and honor them and thank them to be respectful and for crying out loud, don't litter. I know it sounds so tree huggy, but don't litter, you know, be concerned about where you're placing things and care a little bit about the tree litter. If you don't have to get rid of it, please leave it. Because it's going to protect so many wonderful things. The trees know who they're protecting. It's why they're the boss, right? They're protecting all kinds of life forms. And so if there's any way you can get away with leaving the leaves on the ground, do it. And sometimes it's, you know, it's anything from singing a song or just acknowledging it. You don't even have to open your mouth. You know, recently, I was doing an honoring of my ancestors And I never forget, and I wonder at some witches that do, I wonder if they haven't thought of it. But I never forget to honor the ancestors of the land first. I can't just be calling in my ancestors all willy nilly (laughs) and, and basically inviting them to a party where nobody knows them. It doesn't work that way. You gotta set up that, to me, you gotta set that up early and make sure that that is something that can be accepted. Will be accepted and will be honored that, hey, my ancestors are not necessarily from this piece of ground. They are from this land, but not from this land. Do you know what I'm saying? So I always honor the ancestors of where I stand all the dead that have come before me, but also all the life and the memories and the natural magic of where I am before I would call in my own personal ancestors to stand with me. Anyway, silly little thought I've had. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I think about it quite a lot. You know, I think it's kind of silly how we think we have to mark the earth so it will remember our names. I mean, we're all guilty of that, right? I mean, I know I am. I mean, I do it for my dogs. Uh, We've got huge stone mounds where our beloveds have gone to rest and places to go sit and honor them and be with them. But the truth is, is that time will engulf everything. And I think what we really leave behind is this adding to the magic of a place, adding to the magic of a land, or even adding to the magic of a human spirit. If we have to be transient, then we can still do that work. Just leaving something good behind has nothing to do with bricks and mortar. I mean, it can, but to me it means leaving that echo. And a lot of land spirits out there, at least the ones around my house, I kind of feel like they would welcome more of that. Maybe one of these days I'll be hanging out with them too. Who knows? I guess I kind of feel like that whole you build it and they will come concept is really westernized crap. I mean, what do you mean you build it and they will come? It's already here, you know? It's, you know, open your eyes, they're already here. It's already all around you. Every monument to every beautiful thing that has ever been in nature is already here. You don't have to build anything on top of it to honor it. And I think Animals and little children get that better than anybody, y'all. I mean, you see a baby reach her little hand out to this huge cedar that we have in our yard, and the look on her face of complete and utter joy, the way she's transported and the way she's touching it as if she is saying hello to it, that's honoring I had a cat for a long time who would go and stand with me in the morning and just close his eyes but lift his head to the sun. And it I swear it looked like he was praying, (laughs) y'all. For a witch cat, that was pretty significant. And, you know, these other beings, they know how to come They know how to get in touch. They know how to say hi to land spirits. They know how to be part of their natural environment. And we have lost a lot of that. We really have. Because at the end of the day, I do have an altar outside. I have a beautiful altar outside. But at the end of the day, an altar could literally be a fallen pine tree in my hands. And there it is. Altar's up. So, I guess I could go a little longer in that and think that through a little bit further, but those are my thoughts on land spirits, and I've heard some more professional and wonderful stuff out there, but sort of a layman's idea is what I've tried to share with you. I mean, I've seen folks leave glitter on the ground, and I've seen folks bring plastic to lay on an altar in the woods, and I don't know. Y'all reckon that they're happy with that? I, I don't know about that. I mean, honey maybe, bread for sure, but if it can't feed everybody out there, um, you know, you might piss off a tree. So, I tend to make sure that whatever I bring is going to be food for everybody, including that tree. So, these are my simple thoughts on the idea of land spirits. Well, let's talk about something else before I go. Um, our Yule was gorgeous. We had just the right amount of people here, and we have a specific yule tree, and I love her. I love her. She's from Ireland, and she's just perfect for us, and we decorated her, and we celebrated the light. We all did a little log that we all got to burn, and the, the logs were from felled oak trees, and we decorated it with our local holly, and it was wonderful, and I received a lot of presents this year beautiful things and, and absolutely thoughtful gifts all the way around. But the best present I got was on the porch on the night that everybody left, and it was just me, my husband, and my son. My son's almost 30 years old. The night was almost over, and we were talking about what we always talk about in my family. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite food? We like to go back over it and kind of relish any of our time together, and at the end of the night, we were talking about cooks and chefs and places that make beautiful food. I don't know how we got there. I'm getting old, so don't track me down on that one, and my son is working in a beautiful restaurant. He's a very good cook himself, and I forget what I said that caused the present to come forth, but somewhere there and he's worked for very nice places high-end places real chefs everywhere but right before I went in the house he said no mom you're actually the best cook I've ever experienced and it threw me and I didn't believe him (laughs) you know and I said no come on he's like no mom listen they can't touch you whatever it is you do to food it's wonderful I almost cried I think I did cry a little bit. Okay. It was the best present I think I've ever gotten in my life. At Christmas, anyhow. Or, no, it was Christmas. We're horribly weak about that. Because we love the magic part of it. We love that magic. You know, elves, come on, guys. (laughs) right? Lighting up trees. It was all part of the original Yule. Well, maybe not all, but it was close. And that extended holiday, we're all about it. We may not celebrate it the way my southern brethren do, but we sure do have a great time with peppermint canes and stockings left out for Santa and all that. So we had a great time with the whole holiday. But that was my best present. That and the fact that, no matter how old my signs get, I can still see it in their eyes, the belief in magic on that night. Many, many moons ago, I was a teacher at a very major institution and I ended up being the frat mother. I don't know if y'all know what those are. I know it seems horribly antithetical to everything I am, but I was able to really work with that frat. Because of me, they ended up letting in a beautiful young gay man and changed everything about that fraternity. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's kind of gross, but at the same time, that was the work I did. I tried to change their minds about things, and anyhow, um, I loved them so much, and one night I came home from giving a late final, and it was Christmas, and my little friend over there at the fraternity was the president, and he had had all of the boys come out there and light up my entire house before I got home for Christmas, and then um, they also did the whole little stamp on the roof to make it sound like reindeer were going over our house. I absolutely love that. I love the idea that there is magic and we can still believe in it no matter what. And so, you know what? I don't throw Christmas out altogether. Mm -mm. No, There's a lot I can steal away from that holiday and make all for us. But I also know that this is a really hard time for a lot of people. It was a really hard time for me. My blood family has disowned me, so... I spend a lot of time thinking about holidays gone by and what it used to be like and memories, some of them good, some of them not so good, but at the end of the day I lay it down. I lay it down by Yule if possible. I try anyway because the light is coming back and I don't have a lot of time on the earth. I don't think anybody really does. It goes so fast, doesn't it? And while I've got those painful memories, What was important to me was holding on to anything good, anything that could still be positive in my life. And what's funny about that moment was uh, you were there. I was sitting outside and everyone had gone in and we'd had an unlikely weather pattern hit Alabama. It's been horribly warm. And I'm sitting there and I was thinking to myself, what is good? You know, and, and there's all the obvious, right? Regardless of money, we have a roof over our heads. I've got a handful of wonderful, wonderful friends. Some of them span to 45 years ago. I'm pretty sure that's as far as they go. I'd have to do the math. Um, And, and, you know, I've still got one or two family members that are extended, not very many. And I have that beautiful grandchild. I could go on and on. You know the drill. We can do that easily. But none of that, I don't think none of that would actually save me in a deep depression. And I know that sounds horrifying, but you just can't count blessings when you're depressed, right? It's hard. It doesn't change it. What helped me was finding hope, looking out at the future, even if it were only a month or two in advance and saying, is there anything to look forward to? Now that's really hard to do because if there's not, you got to kind of try to create it. And that's not always easy. But when I was sitting there counting and thinking and trying to find something other than my other writing I do underneath my government name, really the thing that kept popping up that gave me kind of that spark of excitement for the future, uh, it was you. I was getting back on here and, um, sitting that barbaric yelp across the rooftops and not being so alone as the witch in the state of Alabama. It was you, wherever you are, whoever is listening, and you write to me sometimes. <laughs> and I don't feel so alone. So thank you for that. Thank you for the Christmas present. Thank you for the Yule present. I felt that present. And um, my present to you is not as good. <laughs> it's not It's me talking about growing plants and chickens and whatever little witchcraft thing I've got going on at the time and thoughts about life and that's all I can give you, but here it is and thank you for still being there. All right, I know this was a little boring this time, no deep stories. This is just really, um, hmm, it's a homecoming, isn't it? I've been away a while and I missed you. I'll try to do another one, and I'll try to make it way more cool, but in the interim, please do write to me. Your emails have mattered so much, and I've missed you so much, and let me know what you want me to talk about, because honey, I do this magic thing all day, and I forget that some of it might be interesting, so (laughs) write to me with some questions. That'd be great. I would love questions and I'd be happy to answer them on the air. Let me know if you want me to use your real name or a different name, or go completely anonymous. So I reckon that's it. Missed y'all. Glad to be back. See you soon. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.